Yo, Rob Harvilla from 60 Songs That Explain the 90s here to inform you that we are back with 30 more songs because the 90s were super long and had a ton of rad music. Please join us every Wednesday for more 60 Songs That Explain the 90s only on Spotify. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. Earn up to 3% daily cashback on every purchase every day. Then grow it at 4.50% annual percentage yield when you open a savings account with Apple Card. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card subject to credit approval. Savings available to Apple Card owners subject to eligibility. Savings accounts provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults, with 0 to 60 speed that thrills you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. It's Prestige TV Podcast. My name is Bill Simmons here with Chris Ryan. Big Waz talking We Own This City, episode five. It is the second to last episode. After uh, two fantastic episodes, this was another one of those move things along, trying to set up the season finale. Um, the gun task force really went off the rails in this one, Waz. They, uh, <laughs> they, they took it up a notch. Now they're stealing from each other. Um, yeah. <laughs> all kinds crazy. of stuff is going on. What was your take on this episode? Well, first of all, I'm glad I can make it here since I don't set my time to pussy. You know? <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I do hope that today we can figure out whether whether Wayne Jenkins is really a family man or not. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, it, it, it's just the, the escalations is is really what what gets me. Um, I, I got a chance to talk to Justin Benton, who wrote the book that this show was based on. And he was like, you know, a lot of his favorite scenes are the interrogation scenes because those are word for word <laughs> from mm. the transcript of the cops talking to these dudes after arresting them. So everything they're saying in those scenes is what is their accounts of what happened. And just to hear these guys, like when they get wistful about all the money, all the shakedowns, all the horrible crimes they committed against all types of citizens in Baltimore. That's the part that that's really been sticking to me lately is like most of these cop scenes, these interrogation scenes aren't embellished. This is how they reacted. This is how they felt about what they were doing. We you know, got Chris. Billy, you said something interesting. You you referred to the gun taste trace task force is going off the rails now. Like <laughs> true. And I think the the coolest thing that this show has been doing for me is kind of dispelling the notion that there was like a serpent in the grass that corrupted these guys or that, you know, it was it got really bad when this dude got into drugs or something like that. Like, you can't tell what time it is. And that's the point, <laughs> because the corruption is so pervasive that it doesn't really matter if it's Wayne or the guy before Wayne or if Hersel's there or not. <laughs> It's the, or the deputy commissioner. It doesn't matter whether they're ripping off drug dealers or ripping off car salesmen or ripping off, you know, like whatever. Like, it's just like, this is just, these guys are zombies. This is just who they are. And even in the car, 
when uh, G Money and uh, Jamel and 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 McKinley Belcher and Daryl Brick Gibson are so good in in these roles are talking about basically when this ends, it ends. It, they they sound like gangsters. They sound like they're yeah. going out in a blaze of glory. They're just like we're just going to keep hitting this until we get caught, knowing that they're under investigation. Yeah, I guess. I guess when I say they dialed it up is when you have Wayne Jenkins impersonating, what was he impersonating? Oh, attorney a, general? A, a, uh, like a U.S. attorney <laughs> while wearing right. just a Raven shirt. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, it just, they got more and more brazen with what they could get away with. And I don't know why they wouldn't have because they had been getting away with anything, everything for uh, years and years. There's, I, I think my favorite scene was the old guy on the street who wouldn't help Sean Suter? Yeah, and explain to him why. I thought that was really powerful. When he's like, you know, he, like I, he's basically like, I see you. You don't. He was. He said, you don't. You don't come out the womb a homicide detective, brother. <laughs> like, yeah. you had to do something before you got there, right? So you were one of those jump out boys. You were one of those corrupt cops. Like, so just because you're doing homicide now and you're not coming in people's pockets now. That doesn't mean that that's not what you were doing before. I thought that was a really powerful scene. And I think a, a theme throughout the episode that I liked, even if it was just, like you said, Bill, it sort of moved things along. The way, and Chris just mentioned this, the way they mirror or like parallel, like when they're bad news bears copping with the car salesman, dude, like I'm a DA, blah, blah, I'm a, I'm a DA, I'm DOJ, blah, 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 all of that dumb shit to them being interrogated, right? It's like mm. they are the criminals. And when you watch real police work happening as opposed to what they were doing, I thought this, this episode did a like a great job of showing you like this is how it's done and this is how it's done when the cops are actually criminals. It's like it was really cool to watch that interplay of like these cops be cops then watch them be criminals and watch them get treated as criminals. It was like Really dope to watch that. I feel like Wayne Jenkins playing the U.S. attorney was kind of like when somebody calls you and is like, I need to, you have to extend your warranty on your Subaru. And you're like, I don't have a Subaru, man. <laughs> like, when, like when you get one of those spam calls and you're just like, you could have at least picked the right car. Him just yeah, be like, I was sir, I am a U.S. attorney. Do I have to fucking shout at you? And you're like, dude, no, no U.S. attorneys act like this, man. Yeah, I was with my dad this weekend and somebody called and asked if they could come they needed to come in and check his gas meter. They needed to come in the house. And he's like, um, I don't think so. And, and <laughs> I think oh about it about Wayne Jenkins. Yeah, that that's what these guys... I, well, the, the thing with this show, the Sean Suter thing's hanging over everything, right? And yeah. then mm -hmm. it ends with, first of all, his reaction to finding that these seven guys are going down. And he goes in the bathroom. But then at the end, he can't sleep. And it's still... The show's leaving a little ambiguous for... How far did he go when he crossed paths with these guys? Yeah, because we we stop with the dot hit, with Wayne basically putting the money on the armrest in the car is like the extent of the sort of un understanding we have of what Sean's time in G GTTF is. Chris, let's you and I talk about this since Waz cheated and watched all the documentaries and read it and deep dived it <laughs> and knows and knows how this ends. <laughs> Chris, <laughs> let's pretend Waz isn't here for twenty seconds. Yeah, or that like the online community has not been like. By the way, this is what happens to these yeah, guys. Yeah, no, right. That's yeah. another thing. A couple of dickheads on Twitter <laughs> were just like, "Do you idiots not do any research?" It's like, nah, we're kind of just enjoying. 
the TV show as we're watching it. Like, not everybody wants to just, like, skip ahead, do the wiki deep dive, all of that kind of stuff. Some people just watch TV. Crazy, right? right? I well, <laughs> I... I this, I tried to handle it. I was going to finish the show after the sixth episode and then do the deep dive because yeah. I want to watch the show for how they intended it to be made, which is, you know, I'm a, assuming I'm a person that knows nothing. Right. And I'm watching this as a nonfiction, but a little fictional, but, you know, drama and just kind of walk me through it. I don't know what's going to happen to Sean Suter. I don't know what he did. And I think... Jamie Hector, who we talked about a couple times in the previous episodes, and it took me a while to unwind the Marlowe piece from him. And just in general, he was playing it really, really, really stripped down. And I thought in episode five, it kind of paid off. Didn't you think, Chris? Like, it just, now I'm trying to study his face, and he's only got a couple different, I don't know, moves with, like, his emotions and stuff. But he's, I, I just get him now. I get the character. Yeah, I thought it was just a great example of of a guy not being able to get 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 past his past. And just, like, he's trying to, you know, you can see he's getting more comfortable with the homicide investigations and the way he's sort of, like, over overseeing the, the crime scene that he's got. And then as it starts to creep up first with the old man that we mentioned, who's like, you know, you, you, you weren't born a homicide detective and... and didn't you used to r- jump out of cars with those boys? I think is what he says. And then as he sees the stuff on the TV screen, uh, on on the news, and shout out to George Pelicanos who wrote the episode. He's the guy who's like, didn't you used to roll with those boys or something like that? Like he's the cop in the in the office with him. You can just see it start to weigh on him. And it's, and it's like you get an hour of guys who are essentially just like impervious to their own corruption. They're just like, yeah. We were doing this. Like, (laughs) what the fuck? Why not? We were doing this before we became cops. And then when you get to Suter, you just see it like... opposite. It's caving him in. Yeah, right. And as a matter of fact, one of my favorite parts of episode five was when they talked about K-Stop. (laughs) K-Stop. What a legend. And and just like, you know, he was being groomed to be part of the task force. And, And we talked in previous episodes about how this felt like you know, just straight up anti-copaganda. But they're revealing like, look, there's ways to do this job that isn't completely corrupt and morally bankrupt, right? And they they do it with the DOJ investigation. They do it with K-Stop. They do it with Suter. They do it with different guys. But obviously the main thrust of the show is, you know, how nasty these guys were at police. And my favorite thing about K-Stop is that... uh the cop didn't know where he was from, even though his last name was like Kostopoulos. I'm like, yeah. come on, man. Dude's Greek. Come on now. You got to know that one. <laughs> Bill, when uh, when Hersel and Jenkins took K-Stop out by that warehouse, that was we owned the city's version of the Goodfellas fur coat scene. It was like, yeah, keep oh, going. Yes. Keep going. K-Stop, just leave your leave your phone in the car, K-Stop. Oh, <laughs> it's like, oh, Jesus, goodness. K-Stop. I guess they're you. They're Herschel's just never going to pay off. As I, I thought he might get his episode or his piece of an episode, but they're using him more as this, this almost like a hockey enforcer that just skates mm-hmm. in every once in a while and banks some bodies around. They when they robbed one of the people they robbed in this episode. The I mean the pit the whole guy taking his pizza home who just cashed his paycheck. That was another, I thought, incredible scene. Yeah. And then that and guy's story about how he loses his job. Yeah. 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 
that and, that that scene sums up the show and the purpose of the show. Like, boom! Like this this is why you can't do this shit. Right. Like, just normal people are just getting in the crosshairs of this stuff, and their lives are being completely ruined. And of course, at the end of the episode, they show Suter going home and that dude's whip being repossessed. Yep. Um. It's just crazy. And then they, they and then they 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 they, they live the rest of their life being like, "Fuck the police." Yeah, yeah, and not participating in jury duty, or you know, like you, you're never gonna get like the whole thing about the trickle down effect on the legal system that this is all having is is really really fascinating. And how they spent the money. I thought they did a good job in this episode. <laughs> you see, he's like the Herschel probably was out there spending, and then it's like cut to him in the strip joint. And him at the poker game. So wait, you, you, have, th- you, you have a problem with Wayne Jenkins having a quiet meal by himself? <laughs> Wayne Jenkins? Where, <laughs> what casino was he at? He was, no, he was at an Inner Harbor Hotel. Like he was at a hotel somewhere in the Baltimore Harbor. He likes to right. go there. That's he the likes, fancy, that's the nice part of Baltimore. Yeah. Bro. Then to the extent we, that there are any. No we got no a blowjob scene with Wayne Jenkins that I'm not sure I needed. <laughs> it's absolutely directed by Martin need. Scorsese. Yeah, I don't know if that's in the research. <laughs> yeah. um, the that might have been the a other, Bernthal special request. You know what I mean? Like Bernthal, so just can can you really throw yourself into the blowjob? I think that's what Wayne would have done. The uh, <laughs> the big winner of this episode is somebody you guys formed Club Carolina. Um, yeah. about and a year ago. Yeah, Mara Dominchik is really, really good in this episode. We get yeah, she really out. settled in. Yeah. There's like, I don't know, she starts messing with the guys a little bit. There's a little hint of sexual tension. I'm not sure. Right. She does yeah. these very subtle facial expressions. Like, yes. it's super duper subtle and light, the touches. And I'm like, yes, this is... I get yeah, it, like, Patrick Wilson. We get it. <laughs> Patrick, great job by Patrick Wilson. Yeah, it's like, is she flirting with Don Harvey or yeah. she's just trying to show that she's so. secure? <laughs> I found a little, I like a borderline flirtatious kind of, but, she, but I think that's how she's trying to get power with the guys. She's aware of her femininity and she's yes. having fun at their expense about it. Yes, that's where I landed on that one. So you had her, I thought she was really good in that episode, but just in general. Where are we going? Now, Waz, try try to make a prediction without disqualifying yourself because you cheated and you did all the research. Wait, <laughs> how do we how do we wrap? Because in episode one, we flash forwarded and we saw Jenkins get taken down at the end of the episode and had that conference room scene where he's staring and he's like a rational confidence. I don't care that I just got arrested. I'm gonna get out of this guy. So I assume we're gonna go back there. I assume we're gonna have some interrogation stuff. And then we're going to find out how much Sean Suter knew and how much blood is on his hands, right? Any other predictions that you, without giving away stuff? Well, okay, like, I could just say predictions about the show rather than, like, what happens. I just think, because they just, so that at that part where they're talking to the old wise man, right, who's now, like, teaching cops, he's like, I teach him how to do police work. And that was Tree Williams, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tree Williams, who I saw... Uh, I was I was bored one day on the couch and I was watching this movie with Brad Pitt and uh 
Harrison Ford with Brad Pitt as an NRA. Not NRA, excuse me, IRA member. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some bad accents in that movie. And, and, yeah, and Tree Williams is like a drug dealer, gun. Like, he's like a bad actor. He's like the villain in the movie. Um, not yeah. very convincing, but whatever. It was cool. I just recently watched that. So, what's that one called the, again? It's like the Devil something or like the, the, the Devil, Devil Zone. Zone. The Devil yeah. Zone. Yeah, yeah. Um, I enjoyed it, obviously, but yeah. Uh, you know the way he is. I think David Simon. What he wants to do is just really impress upon people like the drug war and all the incentives that this shit creates is poisonous and horrible and it has terrible effects not just on the citizens but the people who are policing it and the politicians who think it's their job to win it and all of those things. And I think the last episode is just going to hammer that home because, you know, David Simon is not like, when he when he has a point, he's not just going to like feign at it. <laughs> he's going to like, he uses his hammer and everything is a nail. And yeah. I think that's what's going to happen in episode six. Just more of that. And Wayne Jenkins, like they did the, I watched the, uh, the preview of the next episode and they previewed Wayne Jenkins interrogation. And, you know, he's going to do his whole. Like, you're going to get to hear his point of view and just be completely disgusted by the whole business of this thing. Yeah, and for me, you know, for me, in a lot of ways, <laughs> I, I obviously want to see the Wayne interrogation. I want to see what happens with Suter. The show ended in that, uh, in that meeting with the new mayor when she's just like, yep, I'm just not going to pay for this. And then they're like, we only have like this oh, limited man. amount of time before Jeff Sessions becomes attorney general and essentially shuts down our division we have to get this consent decree in now. And they're like, well, what about this? And what about that? And maybe we should just be attracting businesses or paying for social programs. And and Wami Misako is, is really, really great throughout this episode in that scene, in the Treat Williams scene, and in the monologue she has at the end of the episode. And to me, that's it. You know what I mean? Like it ends when they like have done this thing, all this in you know, investigation, all this research, and the the tides of politics up in Washington, completely change it. The Treat Williams casting was pretty obvious what they were doing with that one because Prince of the City didn't get from, in terms of the police corruption movies, I don't think it's remembered the same way. It's like, a cult classic, like Serpico though. was. Yeah, it's, the, it's more it's of a cult classic. It's the double tape epic. Like, this is just like how fucked up it was. He had a moment there in the late 70s, early 80s when it felt like he was going to become one of the next guys. He was in 1941, which didn't uh, didn't didn't hit, but it was Spielberg and it was Belushi and it was Aykroyd. Then he was in Prince of the City. He was in Pursuit of D.B. Cooper. He was in Hair before all that in, uh, in 1979. He was in Once Upon a Time in America. I had a pretty big role in that. And he just, he never quite got over the hump as like an A-lister. Um, but the Prince of the City, I think, was probably his most famous role where he was like carrying a movie. And I thought it was a pretty interesting callback by those guys to be, to, you know, because this is ultimately, there hasn't been that many police corruption things. I was thinking about it. You know, I think Internal Affairs, another one, which I know we're going to do at some point in the rewatchables. We've discussed that. But in general, <laughs> yes. like, I always think this is so fascinating, especially yeah. when you have cops chasing other cops. Mm-hmm. And co and just where those lines are, and then are are the 
are the people who speak out against some of this behavior, are they betraying some sort of code? And I'm, I'm always in on that stuff. NYPD Blue did this too in season one. Yeah, there's a the really under, character. The, one of the most recent things before this, I guess it's probably like 10 years ago now, is this uh, Gavin O'Connor movie called Pride and Glory with Colin Farrell and Edward Norton. And that's a that's a really good police corruption movie. I think Duvall's in that too. But that that's like one of the best, most recent ones. And then I, obviously I, our beloved Copland. Yeah. Oh, into some of this so, stuff. Yeah. So, so incredible. And, you know, just as a native NYC person, when you think about the NYPD, like somebody like me, um, I don't know what the NYPD's reputation is outside of New York. I just know as somebody who grew up in New York, I think of them as this like impenetrable, unstoppable, immovable force that is not to be fucked with. Mm. And if they wanted to do corruption, I'm pretty sure they could get away with it with no problem because they get away with everything else, right? Um, They get unlimited funding. They get unlimited resources, unlimited everything. Like they are just this massive entity in the city, right? Um, I, I tell people like when I moved out here to LA, the first thing I noticed was the lack of police. Like in New York, when when you're when you're anywhere, you feel like you're in an occupied state. The police are everywhere. They're everywhere. It's like it's just part of the fabric of the city. You are going to see cops all over the place. You know, so um, just corruption in and of itself. I, I you know, I'm like, why couldn't the cops get away with taking people's shit? <laughs> if you go to court. And, you know, the basically the slant is whatever the cops say is what happened because they're the cops, duh. Like, that's just, there's no accountability there. I don't see why any police unit couldn't get away with taking people's stuff and doing whatever the hell they wanted. Chris, do you think the success of the show will get Simon to maybe keep going with some of the stuff? I think he's probably arrived at a point in his career where, you know, he makes these somewhat... I don't even know modestly budget is the right thing, but he's just got his lane. I, but it does seem like unlikely that he would do another cop show. I think it's worth mentioning that Pelicanos is, I think, more of the showrunner. I'm talking to him mm. for the watch for the finale nice. next week. And this is, you know, it's almost like the, the it's like it's like the Popovich coaching tree. Yeah. And, and this is, you know, <laughs> kind of like a guy coming out Pelicanos of Pelicanos is Coach Bud? Yeah, something else, basically, yeah. Make adjustments, Pelicanos. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that it's possible George could do that, but I would imagine that David Simon's got, like, a bunch of other stories he wants to tell. It's just well, guessing, I'm interested, I'm interested to see where this goes, obviously. I have a feeling that the moment I finish the show, I'm going to be going on like a five hour yeah. just deep dive of epic proportions. So I'm, I might try to time it so that I know I have the ensuing five hours after I watch the show. Right. And then there's just, it's just like, can we just say how fucking perfect this has been? Like yeah. as, as like a limited series. Yeah. I don't know if I, I don't know if it would have been as successful for us if it was 10 hours of this style of storytelling where you're just like never quite sure if it's 15, 16, 12, like 12 or whatever. And like the kind of constant like uh, recreations of these interrogations. But as it is, like it just makes, it, it's just so perfectly crafted for like a six hour miniseries. 
Yeah, and the Jeff Sessions thing hanging over everything I thought was an interesting wrinkle. I, I like these shows that are able to feel like a drama, but we know they're pulling in all this real life stuff that, you know, it feels essential to the show, but at the same time doesn't feel too, like they're fictionalizing anything. This feels very... Yeah, so real. And it, it's it's just great. Like, they t- like, the reason why talking about Jeff Sessions is important because... <laughs> When you get appointed to that post, um, you know, the Civil Rights Division is under your purview. Jeff Sessions, his name is Jeff Beauregard Sessions. <laughs> he's named after a Civil War Confederate general. Right. I don't think he's going to be invested in the Civil Rights Division. Just a hunch. I don't know. <laughs> he just probably might not be invested. In it. It's just those touches that this show yeah. makes sure that you understand. Like, that, like, just a couple of my favorite parts that I wrote down here, right? They talk about Gondo being too flashy and all of this shit. And he shows up to get arrested. He obviously doesn't know he's about to get arrested. He's just showing up to work, essentially. He's wearing an awful silk shirt and a Louis Vuitton All the way belt. unbuttoned. I'm it was great. Like, this guy, this is just, it's just perfect the way they did um, some of this stuff. Like, there was the part where... Um, Carolina goes, so, like, what was the unit like before um, Raymond came on or whatever? Like, what was it like? And this is Gondo's response. He says, nothing inappropriate. Nothing illegal. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> that, that, that's it. It's just, like, yeah. it's just perfect. It's like, these are cops. It's so good. The show is so good. I also really liked when, uh, when uh, Raymond was in... Uh, the the I went to the party, so we finally got some Baltimore club music in the in the show, and Absolutely. he's like, he's just like at this party in his dress blues, <laughs> yeah, not giving a fuck, yeah, in his uniform, yeah, that was quite a party, yeah, I, I, I kind of I could have spent another five minutes just wondering what was <laughs> going on at that party. Was Absolutely. it a party? Was it a brothel? Yeah. What was that? Where were we? Uh, no, it was just a party. It just I think his girlfriend was just there. His girlfriend was probably like lived at the crib that the party was at, so he's able to go, you know, you know, every party, say, you know, every house party like, walks in and you get down. There's people all over the place. Every was, house party, every now and again, there's a side room where only a few yeah. people are allowed to go in. That's right. And God only knows what they're doing in there. Should we have had those side rooms at the Grantland parties, Chris, or no? Maybe it was a mistake. Should, we should have more Baltimore club music at the Grantland parties. Yeah, That's next time. Sure. Baltimore club music and side rooms. All right, so we'll return. We'll put up uh, episode six right after Monday night. We'll tape that Monday, and we can put that up so that after it goes up, we'll be good to go. Um, another, what a show. I'm going to miss it. Rosillo. I, we were talking about it Sunday and he he stopped after episode three because he wanted to see He wants it. to make it last longer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was like, I'm, I'm holding on to this. You know, awesome. I don't want to spoil this yet. So, so he, he put it like in the wine cellar, like a bottle. He was like, I'm going to drink this later. Uh, this podcast was produced by Jesse Lopez. We will see you after episode six on Monday night. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... 
once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.